one of those books where I'm like, oh, I love this book because here's what I am talking about and here's how I do it. And here's why I do it and why I think it works. Um, yeah. I, I assume that was purposeful. And we should also talk, like go ahead and tell us the name of the book and all that good stuff too. Yeah. Uh, uh, the Complete Improviser. And um, I started it many years ago. I kept a blog for a long time called The Complete Improviser. And, and at first, well, I should turn these posts into a book. But then I was like, well, just as you said, if I just put a bunch of posts, you know, old blog posts in a book, um, what's going to hold them together? What's going to connect those dots? And um, uh, I, I kind of. I, I was studying engineering in college and didn't didn't quite finish, but got. I think it's a. I'm an engineer at heart, but uh, uh, an actor in in, in mind. Uh, uh, they should be the other way around. I should be an engineer in my brain, <laughs> but because I'm not, that 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 fell apart. But um, just that whole notion of of you got it. And again, as a teacher, we can't just say here are a bunch of platitudes. You figure it out. Or here's some techniques. When do you use them? Oh, just throw them in your tool belt. You'll know, you know. And 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 it's I think one reason I kind of shy away from some of the tool belt analogies is that there's almost as a teacher, it's like kind of a can be a bit of a lazy analogy if if you're not telling people when these tools are useful and 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 explicitly when you might dip into that thing. Um, uh, so, so I kind of avoid those analogies uh, j- just for, for that reason. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I felt like what was missing a lot from my instruction and when I was a student and missing a lot from uh, uh, other curriculums and things is this whole notion of like we need to be internally consistent, you know, and this is the theory. Now, how, what is that? How does that theory then get turned into practice? And then what are the techniques to achieve that? that reality. And, um, yeah, just me, try, me trying to be consistent. Uh, uh, and a lot of people may not care about, it. I'm glad you care about that. I do so much. So I, and I think I care about it. I don't know if I care about it. Well, I mean, I just, I, I love it. Like, because I know as a player, I can be like, Oh, I really connect with what you're saying in this example. I'm going to try that. And as a teacher, I really connect with, I really like what you're doing with the feedback there. And I see where you're connecting sure. the dots and how can I then fold it into what I'm already teaching. Totally. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's super like I, I love and I love that you um, you also tell how you would side coach it, which I think yeah. there's an art in that as well of yeah. when to, when not to. Yeah. I, I think knowing exactly what it is you want from this exercise. I mean, any exercise even something as simple as zip, zap, zop, you can say, hey, we're going to run this as fast as we can. And if you slip up even the littlest bit, you're out. You know, Or we can say we're going to take this kind of slow and kind of organic and let it morph and transform. You know, it, it, It's the same rules, but how you choose to proctor it, you can get greatly different things from it. Uh, one of my biggest pet peeves going through classes and things were we're getting – told an exercise and how to do it and then doing it and then getting notes that I felt like weren't really in the scope of that exercise or were contrary or, or, you know, it's almost kind of a schizophrenic kind of feel 
where, where you're not always sure what is it you're supposed to be doing. And I think now there are times when I'm teaching where you're going to get every conceivable note in the book and the, the scope is unlimited to, to my notes. But there are other times if we're just doing an exercise where I need to be just as limited with the scope of my notes and the scope of my side coaching. Um, and once you make those decisions for yourself, I, I'm going to let X slide, but I'm going to jump on Y. Well, then side coaching becomes so much easier. It becomes very easy. And you find that you're actually only giving the same six or eight side coach notes. When you decide what exercises you're going to run for a class, um, I would think now it's pretty much like, oh, I know exactly how this is going to run. But like when you were working through those, would you sit down and be like, okay, what is it? I What is the objective of this exercise and how is it I want to set it up? And what do I want my students? Y- yes, with a yes with an asterisk uh, okay. uh, <laughs> um, a lot of times uh, I've been in some ways cursed with small classes and in some ways blessed with small classes uh, uh, it, it's when you start getting into the six people range it can, it can be you know there's a long there's a long classes when you've got six people but um, the plus side <laughs> is we're done with the syllabus by by week four or five and and uh, or even after the first two hours or three hour class. And when the students when you are honest with them and say, we're going to blow through this stuff and we may stop and look at stuff in detail, they'll give you some, some latitude. And I'll actually try to invent exercises on the fly and, or, or like, we're not getting this in these scenes. Let's, so, so the whole process of thinking about what is missing from their performances um, kind of happens. It, I, I am sitting and thinking about it, but it's kind of an open discussion kind of kind of situation. Um, uh, you know, right now people are really having a hard time, um, you know, making emotional choices in, in, in these scenes. Um, you know, I'm going to just let's get two people up and we'll, we'll try to brute force our way to solve this, this problem. And I'll, and I'll you know, it, a more elegant exercise maybe will come later. But in the moment, it, it's easy to kind of kind of brute force your way through some of those things. Um and, and and you've done enough exercises and whatnot, the the kind of the the pit, pitfalls and whatnot are, are pretty apparent. Like you know, uh, you, you realize what is easy to ask of a player and what is difficult to ask of a player just by doing it enough. You know, oh, this they should be able to do this it becomes an intuitive, an intuitive sense. Um, uh, exercises can be too complicated and they can be too vague uh uh but the more you do and the more you work with, with the same players in the same kind of style you quickly figure out they should be capable of this they've never done it before i've never proctored it before but they should be able to do it and and um yeah uh we're gonna get into more uh nuts and bolts of um chicago improv studio studio but i want to go i want to go down memory lane for a minute out do you recall what your first class was that you taught and why did you land up teaching? The first like formal class, if we don't count teaching or coaching in college, uh, was at the IO theater. Uh, it was still in Olympic at the time. And, uh, um, you just kind of hang around there enough and, and, <laughs> and there's no formal vetting process. You are vetted, but it's more informal and, and, um, you just start asking around and whatnot, and uh, you finally get a class. Um, uh, it was a uh, was the second part of your question, if I if I recall. Uh, so that one, and yeah, um, and why? What led you to teach? Did, was it 
did you know when you finally were vetted that, yeah, I want to teach? Was that on your radar? I think I've had that kind of uh, teaching mentality, teaching personality for a long, for a very long time. I think I've always been good at um, good for for a very long time. For even into in, in like high school and earlier, like good at explaining things, good at presenting things. Uh, anytime I could give an oral report in, in junior high or any anytime I could give an oral report, I would leap at it because uh, I was I. I was, everyone was afraid of giving a report, and I was like, this is easy. And the teachers love it because, like, they don't have to take it home and grade it. Uh, uh, it's done. <laughs> and, and I think I think in their, their hearts they would like the students to want to do oral reports. So when someone steps up and says, I want to do one, they're like, wonderful. <laughs> this is wonderful. Uh, here's someone who's interested in doing this. Um, so I, um, I feel like it's always kind of been – a piece of me, not necessarily teaching improv, but teaching and instruction and, and explaining and presenting material has always kind of been in, in, in me. So it was very, uh, a very simple thing to be, well, I'm involved in this thing. I've had teachers, they're one or two generations ahead of me. Once I'm one or two generations ahead of the next group of people, I'm, I'm going to teach, you know? And then you, uh, if we fast forward some, then you become the education director at IO, correct? Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, assistant. Yeah. So when you step, no, I was gonna say when you step into that role, did things like vetting teachers change? How much of the curriculum did you take a look at and go, oh, this has to change? What, what did? Walk us through that. Yeah. <laughs> yes, uh, uh, I was assistant training center director for several years, and then stepped in to fill in for about a year and a half after uh, Rachel Mason left. Um, in my heart of hearts, I would have liked to have changed more, but it wasn't always possible for political and, and just the reality of, of the business model there. Um, I, I was very involved and in, it was, it was worried that they needed to add a level. There were, there were students are leaving the program with some holes in their game. We need to add this advanced Herald level. And I took the reins in, in designing that. And I was happy with that and, and proud of that. And I feel like, I feel like it accomplished its, its, its job. Um, some of the students were upset that their graduation got delayed by, uh, eight weeks. Uh, <laughs> uh, and they have since removed a level, but they didn't remove that one. So that was, that was, uh, <laughs> or they, they folded that material. They, they kept a lot of that material, which was, which was nice to hear. Uh, um, I would have liked to have done more, um, but inertia, especially at a large multi-million dollar business, let's not, you know, uh, a lot of, if it ain't broke, don't, don't fix it. Um, it's not like the students were complaining or feel like, feeling like they're wasting their time. Um, but in the back of my mind, and this is certainly something that was heavily in the book and heavily in, in the blog was like, we're, we're, we're still building bridges out of, out of, out of stone and mud. We, uh, but when you added the advanced Herald level and we'll talk and also, uh, well, I think we can talk about this then. Um, well over there at IO by that time, was there a train the trainer program or is it still, was it still essentially how it happened with you? Sort of like, well, I'm a couple generations ahead. It's all very informal and, and, and there are advantages to that, but there are also, disadvantage to that uh um 
teachers generally start by coaching and you're usually asked to coach based on uh, people like how you play. Uh, and then it kind of becomes kind of an, in, an informal um, process of, of, of becoming a strong player, becoming a coach, becoming a teacher. Um, uh, a lot of teachers don't stick around very, very long. They, they decide they don't like it and, or it's not worth their while. Uh, but uh, many do want to want to try to stick it out. And um, it's also uh, a, a revenue stream for struggling actors who want to <laughs> they want to leave the nine to five and they want to quit temping and they want to you know be able to support themselves and and uh, and, and I certainly was that way. Um, but I also made sure that I was, when I stepped in there to teach that I was going to do, be the best teacher I could. Um, uh, I'm not going to make any accusations, but you could see how people could be lured into coaching and teaching w- without teaching and coaching being their number one objective. Um, and not having a mentoring training program and doing everything kind of informally uh, can, can in some ways damage that damage the product a little bit. Uh, yeah. I absolutely, yeah, I absolutely agree with that. I think, I think the lack of mentoring program, and I don't know how, and, and I'm doing that here right now, just because, la- just the way we're developing. But I don't know. I have, I have, I don't, I haven't done it enough to make the decision if I think coaching leads to teaching. I don't sure. know that you have to be a coach before you're a teacher. I haven't come yeah. out on either side there yet. Yeah, yeah. Um. Uh, one thing that's interesting, well, certainly different about Chicago is in, in Los Angeles or any of the big cities, there's so much different material and so many different mindsets. And the theaters are generally very, and I think this is a good thing, very inclusive. And be please take classes everywhere. We're not going to say you, you, you can only take classes here. We're not going to draw boundary lines. And that seems very nice. I think one of the unintended consequences is you get teachers who were essentially told whatever you learned is right. And I have no idea what it is you learned and no idea really what point of view you're going to be coming from. Uh, uh, if everything was strict and in-house and you only work at this theater, well then I can have a pretty good idea of what you're going to teach and, 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 and how you're going to teach it and the style of play that you, you want to see. Um, and, and again, it, it's, it's nothing's hundred percent, Win, I think it's 100% loss, uh, uh, but it, it ends up, it kind of increases that kind of schizophrenic nature that you, you, you get sometimes in classes, and you have a substitute teacher, you know, the same syllabus, and one teacher comes in, and it's just radically different, uh, uh, and it's not always, you know, uh, uh, the, the old adage is, well, you know, take a little from column A, a little from column B, and uh, it all goes in your tool belt, and you figure it out. Uh at some point, that feels less and less like a uh, a positive mantra, and more and more like uh, an excuse. Or, you know. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, yeah, I, it's interesting. I know that. Um, so I know over at Cold Town, uh, John Ratliff will specifically though bring on teachers who are polar opposite to what his philosophy is, sure. and a bit of what the philosophy of Cold Town is. Uh, and I find that to be interesting. I, I think that everyone should be exposed to all of it so that they can find out what works for them. I just don't know that I'm going to bring someone in who is a polar opposite of 
and, I, and maybe because my theater has a very clear style of play and sure. a very clear philosophy. Yeah. Um, I would probably bring someone in as a workshop and be like, here's something completely opposite than you've been exposed to. Yeah. But also know that it's completely opposite <laughs> than what you've been indeed, exposed indeed, yeah. to. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's an interesting thing to me. So when you then, so when you um, launched Chicago Improv Studio, mm. you obviously then created that entire curriculum. Yeah, yeah. Can someone come there as a complete beginner, or do you feel that they should start somewhere else and then come to you? When you were creating the curriculum, what do you, yeah, what do you feel it is? From, from a beginner's perspective, and, um, um, you know, I say that, and some people, some of my people who read the book before it was released, some of my proofreaders and whatnot, said it felt, and I addressed this in the book, they said it felt advanced, um, but my whole point of view is like, well, if you're biased towards the traditional way of doing things, then it will anything different is must be advanced. Um, but but I really set out to to really start at ground zero. Uh, I had taught a lot and done a lot of those exercises both in classes, it snuck them into classes at I/O or or, or uh, doing workshops around the, around the, around the country and whatnot, and 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 had and had success with them. And, and I was not worried that that someone off the streets would have a problem with it. In fact, if anything, um, I would like more of that. I kind of want to be tested a little bit, you know, prove me wrong. I, I want to, uh, I'd love to work with some people who have never done it before. I don't shy away from saying though, however, that this is, um, geared towards improv performers. Um, and, and I, I'm, and, and you, there are four performances are part of class and they run concurrently with the class. Um, if you're looking to butter up your presentation skills, I'm not going to say no, but we're not going to talk about presentation skills. Uh, uh, and I think a, a lot of improv training centers, especially level ones are kind of a catch all, you know, you know, anybody, it's a hobby. It's a, you know, when you want to meet people, socialize, it's fun. And, and there's nothing incorrect about that. And especially in, 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 in smaller, smaller markets, uh, uh, that's common and great. Uh, but in Chicago, when you've got so many people coming exclusively to do improv, um, then you can get away with what I'm trying to get away with. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I would not try that, you know, outside. Of the... We just closed down revenue streams by saying, yeah. right, it's geared for performers only, uh, from a business model. Right. Yeah. So how many, um, when you sit down to create the curriculum, then do you decide? Do you look at your global goals and then work your way back toward like? Uh, and then do you have do you have um, the classic style of get to class a little bit at the top of what's going to happen today? Warm yeah. up, scenic exercises. Okay. Yeah, try to do some 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 brief warm ups. Uh, try to pick ones that will match the energy required of the next exercise. Uh, one of my huge pet peeves is always big, high energy warmups. And now we're going to do some slow improv exercises. <laughs> and it's like, we should, have, we should have done a more patient warmup. You know, uh, you just warmed us up for the wrong thing. Uh, so I, I, I try to pick warmups and things that match the style of play for that day and the style of play for that level. Um, um, and then they usually do some exercise that's an iso a skill isolation. I call it, Preparation, isolation, simulation, and, and the, the the isolation is going to be. I just taught a class last night. In fact, a level one class, a day one level one class, and like the first skill we need to isolate is 
uh, being emotionally available. And, and we're going to do uh, the, it's, it's actually in the book as well. The emotional noise exercise, first exercise in the book is the first one I teach in class. And I think like, man, uh, that's, that goes so, so far in, in my mind in, in getting students on the right, moving in the right direction to do strong scene work. Um, uh, so I'll do that as kind of a skill isolation kind of a thing. And, and again, my notes will be limited to doing that exercise correctly. Once the class gets it, then I can start giving more complex notes and notes as the scene goes along. Um, and, and that's fun. And the class was certainly a little ahead of the curve last night, which was fantastic. And I was able to give some more challenging notes. Um, and then try to end the day with doing some kind of simulation, some kind of like, let's go get our bit. We'll do a piece. We'll do a form. We'll try to put these notes into practice. Um, um, uh, and I try to not side coach in those moments uh, and more end cap note give. Um, the idea is I won't be able to side coaching notes during the show. So let's get used to me not <laughs> used to you knowing that I'm not going to interrupt. Uh, uh, so it doesn't feel like a shock when you get, when you have to do it. Yeah, because you have a really good grasp on outcomes. Um, how do you ass- are you, when you go to assess students? I guess um, do do you then because a lot of places are like I'm not going to fail anybody because yes we have these exercises but it's subjective. I think that. Um, you know, for me, like it depends where they are. Like, if if my goal of this class is that you can be in a two, you can be in a two person three scene for three minutes without falling apart, and we get there and you're not doing that, then you haven't met your objective. And then how can I pass you, right? So, are you using assessments with your students? Well, uh, um, mercifully, I haven't. I haven't. <laughs> the situation hasn't come up in the way in the way it would come up sometimes at in other theaters. Uh, um, um, you know, everything you said is is correct, and I would agree with it. Part of the underlying thing that was inside of all of that—I don't mean to be a bit of a bit of a, an, an sob here—but like um, you put a lot on, you, you put a lot on the student, and uh, uh, they didn't do it. they didn't meet the, they didn't you know, and 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 this is—I uh, I am being a little. Uh, I know. Then I failed as a teacher. Exactly, exactly. If you did not meet those goals, right? And, and I would get so upset when teachers would roll their eyes at student shows, and it's like, no, those are your students that you're rolling. <laughs> yours be rolling your eyes at your. You look in the mirror and roll your eyes. Uh, now, I don't, you know, lie awake at night beating myself up because some kids having problems. That's the, the other side of it. However, we need to not sell ourselves short. If people aren't getting it you know, more than one person is having problems, then maybe we need to reevaluate, you know, how we're doing. And it's very, very easy to say, well, the student came in here damaged or broken or incomplete. And, and, and we shouldn't be so quick to do that. Um, um, again, I, I, we're not singing Kumbaya. Don't worry. But, but, <laughs> uh, but. Right. No, I agree. I mean, if, if like 90% of the class gets it and 10, you know, or, or even let's even, let's do this. If nine out of the 10 students get it and that one student doesn't, I still feel like it's a failure on my part because I didn't figure out how to crack the code. Um, that being said, maybe that student does need some extra time and maybe would benefit retaking a class. However, if we flip it, 
and it's one person gets it and nine does it, oh my god, I need retreat. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like, I am a terrible teacher. I, I'm not afraid, especially, I don't, I don't imagine ever failing someone out of a level one class, but as they go along, I have certainly had students who have tested that. And I have to let them know before class is over that that there's a problem. And by week three or four out of eight, they need to feel like they are being ridden a little bit harder than everybody else. And it's specifically for this reason. I need you to make move X. And, and my side coach notes can go from gentle nudges to I need these words to come out of your mouth to your partner. Uh, you look very blank, fill in that blank. Just like incredibly like say these words, you know, uh, uh, I've literally written emotions on slips of paper and handed them to people like feel this emotion that I've, it's written on the paper, you know, uh, um, and, and I've, I've never had a student who didn't take those notes and I feel try their best or have students just quit, quit coming. And, 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 and in some ways, um, maybe they've kind of self-selected a little bit. Maybe they've decided that this isn't working. This isn't right for me. Uh, um, but, uh, I, I would rather them arrive at that with me than here comes week eight and all my buddies are going out for drinks and I get pulled aside and I'd have no idea why. And you mean I, I haven't been doing well? I haven't been up to speed. I haven't been satisfying my criteria yeah i know that most people around here and I, it might be a little different in chicago because people are there for like we said different reasons but around here people want to know they want to be doing well and they don't just want to get through a program they want to be learning they want to be growing yeah. and so they appreciate the hey let's check in this is what we should be doing right now yeah. um yeah, yeah. Uh, so do you currently also do evaluations and surveys then on your own classes to, to get assessments on what you're doing? I, I have not done it formally yet. And I, I need, to. uh, um, uh, I definitely, <laughs> definitely need to, uh, right now my, my programs have been fairly small, have been small. And I have not run them back to back to back to back. Um, so I know all my students very well, and I think I try to establish a rapport with them. I don't like that I'm not doing it. I, I think it, it's honest and in, in interest of fairness. I, I need to do it. Um, but I also have had students let me know verbally whether things are working or not working, and and that has been that has been good. Knowing that they feel comfortable doing that uh, makes me feel has made me, <laughs> has fostered my laziness to. <laughs> Uh, I assume, though, that like when you were at I.O. and, and other places, um, you were getting surveys done. Oh, yeah. Right? Oh, yeah, and evaluations. I always like to know, is there ever an evaluation came back and you were like, uh, I didn't see that one coming on me. <laughs> yeah. Well, just like Yelp reviews, you learn a lot about the reviewer sometimes. <laughs> uh, I think my, my, my favorite – this isn't about – the teacher, and it, and, it, and it happens fairly common, is there's someone in class who feels like the teacher is not writing a poor student hard enough, is not giving the difficult note, is not letting someone have it like they should. And what comes up in the review is in all these positive reviews and then one review that's like the teacher gave terrible feedback, never gave any feedback all of class. And it's like, well – why does someone have such a strong opinion 
while no one even had a tepid opinion. You know, I would understand if half the reviews in some way mentioned poor feedback, and then suddenly one is this home run no feedback. Uh, um, but when there's just one, it's always a bit of an outlier, and you kind of can put two and two together or it's your class or pull the teacher aside and chat and be like, Okay, there was one student who was incredibly motivated and driven, and it frustrated them to no end that there was a few that was either a clown or someone who's just struggling, honestly struggling, and, and that they didn't get kicked out of class. You know that their learning was somehow stunted because there was a, a knucklehead in the group. But you certainly do learn about the teachers. You certainly do learn about their style. And then we would do at I.O. We do an, an, a review of the entire program at the end, and that was always very telling to see. Well, what level did you like best? What level did you like least? And there would be levels that at the time people would say, this is the best level. Love it. But by the time they finished the program, now they're saying, you know what? This is one of the weaker levels, um, which is interesting. And, and you know, we can chat about that over a drink sometime, why, why that is. But uh, uh, <laughs> uh, 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 there's, a lot, there's a lot going on in, in that. Um, so it's important not to just – uh, evaluate level per level, but also at the end of the program, an entire overview of the program. Um, uh, I've done some informal reviews of some coaches I've had as well, uh, and those have been those have been instructive as well to chat with the players about their coaches. Um, I'm a big fan of just of, of talking to the teams and you know grabbing a team and while their coach is in the bathroom or something, chatting with them and just face to face and and trying to get their their feel of things. And, uh, I think that's in some ways, um, just as important an inf information source as a cold piece of paper and, and, uh, anonymous, you know, uh, review. I this think, so. I think this goes in hand. You're currently, um, the only one teaching though at Chicago Improv Studio, right? That's correct. That's correct. Okay. Yeah. I'm sort of uh, in that I, boat. I do have some coaches who are coaching some teams that I'm producing, but I'm the only one doing the formal teaching. Yeah. How did you um, – so with those coaches, how did you decide that they should be coaching those teams? Um, th there were a, a handful of players I had worked with before I even opened the theater, and they were kind of my guinea pigs for some of the stuff I wanted to, to do. Uh, so they're very familiar with the style. And um, what I would do with them is – and I don't even know if, know if they knew I was doing this – but um, if we all saw the same show or talking about one of their shows or talking about, you know, hey, they're they're they're, um, they're the closing act is uh, a team named Houndstooth. Actually, they're actually all Florida or well, two to three guys from Florida. And um, um, yeah, they, they're the closing act of a night of three shows. And maybe I'm producing one of the other ones and maybe I'll pull them aside after the ones and ask how they felt about those other shows. And. And try to informally get from them what notes they would give this other team, you know, and try to like, all right, pretend you're their coach. What do you do? What's wrong with that performance? What's right with that performance? Um, what are you going to do next time? And give them as much practical experience as, as possible uh, and just get a sense from them. And, and, and I got a sense from them by doing that, that they were going to be all right, that they, that they were, they, they were going to be stylistically in line with, with what I would like them to be. Um, uh, I gave them some pretty aggressive notes in terms of like, this is what I want. These are the words you're allowed to say. These are the notes that are never allowed to come out of your mouth. Uh, uh, and just try to 
make keep them on point. Um, and then I would watch their team's shows and <laughs> decide like, why is this team playing an odd style? Why is this not working? Um, it's not easy. They also knew that it was a temporary six month assignment um, and that we might change things up afterwards and, and to not get too attached and that to know that their ship wouldn't sail if they're asked to take a term off. Um, and I think a lot of times that can be a difficult thing. People feel like I coached and now I've not been asked back. I must be broken, you know, and, uh, like, no, you just sit out for all, you know, <laughs> let's, let's, let's get in there. With the coaches in place then, um, what are you, so it's, I, I think you, so what you're doing to mentor them is things like, this is what I would like to see happen. This is what I don't want to see happen. And then are you also then sort of informally checking in with them and being like, Hey, I really like what's going on. Or, Hey, I think you might. Yes. Yes. And, and kind of watching, uh, I, I've, I've, this is the second time I've done this. This is a program where I kind of do open auditions to anyone in the community and put together two or three teams. Actually, it's been three teams both times uh, to just get more people in the door, get more people involved. And, and again, you put an open audition notice up in Chicago and you're going you're gonna to get and, – and talented people and, and, and three teams worth of talented people. Um, um, and uh, to watch all of the teams and see are there any trends that are existing in all three teams? Um, um, are there any – you know, every team is having the same issue. Uh, well, that clearly must be something I didn't go over well enough in my coaching, <laughs> you know, in my coach coaching. Uh, if all the teams are, are have the same stuff, all the te- all, exactly all the teams had a stumbling block with shows um, not having little, not, not resetting themselves. It'd be great for 10 minutes and then hit these bumps and they couldn't pull out of them. And, and the teams, the, the, the players would start diverging uh, a little bit. And I said, well, clearly I didn't, do a good job with my coaches if this is if they're all having this problem uh um um but very actively asking them what do you see as the issue what are you going to do about it and just get, having them give me straight up answers to it and 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 um and asking difficult questions of them and 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 um and not that their answers are right or wrong but i want i want firm answers back from them you know um uh, I would rather have a wrong coach than a tepid coach, I guess. <laughs> you know, and uh, uh, if you foresee having uh, more teachers uh, at at the studio, do you think you'll create a train the trainer program? Yes, in in some regard, yes. Uh, um, I've I've start the teachers have to go through classes, and I would love for them to know to know day one they're interested in teaching. Um, there've been a few students that have expressed interest in teaching and not necessarily every week after every class, but maybe a couple times a term or three or four times a term or, or after shows, any point that, that I see them to kind of pull them aside for 15 minutes and ask them what they thought of class straight up. What was, did you like this exercise? And, and just like with the coaches to just, I, I want to know that their minds are seeing what I'm seeing and are stylistically in tune with what I'm doing, you know, why did I do this exercise? You know, what were your thoughts about behind that? You know, what, what did this achieve? Um, uh, for one thing, those are the questions that they may get from students. Uh, uh, but <laughs> the other thing is I, I just want to know that they are not only can do the work, but conceptualize the work. And, um, um, I, I imagine when I start formally looking for other teachers, uh, it's going to be, a, a mix of taking the classes and shadowing and uh, post-class breakdowns. 
We're going to spend 15 minutes, 20 minutes talking about it ex- exclusively. Um, uh, hopefully, the, the people that want to teach and, and want to be around will kind of self-select, and, and there'll be people that uh, um, I, I know – you know, if, if we miss a week for whatever reason, it's not going to be the end of the world. I, I the people I can trust and people that before we've even started, I feel confident in, um, um, but yes, there will be a <laughs> short answer is yes. <laughs> I always struggle with this question of like, do you define a difficult student? Because I'm always like, well, if it's a difficult student, then what am I doing wrong? Then am I, am I not reaching that student? But then there's definitely times when I'm like, oh no, that guy's just a jerk. <laughs> So do you um, do you have a definition of a difficult student? Yeah, uh, you meet several different flavors. Um, th- there is the difficult student who is just, you know, dances to their own tune, and they're just zigging while everyone's zagging. And 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 I, you know, and, and in some ways, I can I have to give myself a little bit of a pass for not reaching them because the world isn't reaching them. <laughs> you know, they're just it's just these free spirits, and and, and they're not bad people, and they're not and they're not always necessarily bad improvisers, but um, they're not always the free spirits, and and, and 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 they're all different, and they're all a bit unique, and and depending on, on that, um, I think the other difficult student there's the there's the recalcitrant student. There's the student who is resistant to what it is that you want them to do. And I think that's probably the, the, the next giant chunk of difficult student is the straight up recalcitrant. And you can split that probably into two halves. There's the student who finds it, who is resistant because they think it's stupid and they don't want to do it and they've got to stick up their butt. And then there's a the person who finds it difficult because something is going on in their life outside of class that's making things difficult. Um, I've had students who've decided who who would be fine students and then would get a little bit difficult, and then they've stepped away for some reason. And I find out later, oh yeah, they had problems with the job or work or home life. Something something's happened that, that that is just preventing them from. They don't feel safe. They don't feel comfortable. They can't be emotionally vulnerable because of something outside of of their control, and that's terrible and, and 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 that's bad the student who is not on board for attitude is is <laughs> is the worst and 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 uh, uh and um there's probably some little sub flavors in there as well uh something i like doing is keeping my exercises just moronically simple just so walk on stage turn to your left turn to your right leave the stage so that the recalcitrant student, it's clear they're doing it wrong. They can't funny the many many times the recalcitrant student is also funny and talented and, and, and has a good personality and can get laughs due to the spectacle due to, due to their spectacle. The spectacle of them improvising is is funny. And even if they mess up the exercise, they do it in such a way that everyone gives them a free pass. And then you're like, and totally in a bind, I can't I can't give this person a free pass, even though this the class thinks they're you know, hilarious. Um, so that can be difficult. So, so designing exercises that are, that they can't beat and they can't talk their way out of, uh, the emotional noise exercise, which is the first one in the book and and one I do a lot and often and variations of it often. Um, it's so simple that if someone doesn't do it, the whole class knows, everyone knows it's, it's clear that they didn't do this right. You know, stand on stage, turn to your right, turn to your left, leave the stage. If someone doesn't do that very simple set of instructions, 
everyone sees it. And now they're all on my side. And now they're all and, and and they can provide some peer pressure. I mean, peer pressure is far more powerful than teacher pressure. And 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 I don't mean to be, you know, ha ha ha, I'm manipulating my class to hate somebody to to, to my end. But uh if we can give the class success and if I can make my exercises such that people feel like they're succeeding and then here comes along somebody who wants to go against the grain and it's so apparent that they're going against the grain and their personality isn't covering up the fact that they're going against the grain, they will feel it too. And they will hopefully knock on wood, not every time, but hopefully they'll come around a little bit or their recalcitrance will be highlighted to the class and everyone will kind of quit buying into their shtick a little bit. Um, ideally, <laughs> I, can't always, I can't always pull it off and, and, and uh, I'm happy when I can. <laughs> uh, have you ever had to ask a student to leave a class? Have I asked anyone to leave a class? Yeah. Have you ever had to be in that position? I've gotten close. I think mercifully, the one time that it really, someone really got under my skin, um, everyone was behind me a little bit. And I think the person kind of felt like they were alone and, um, and that they might, (laughs) and that maybe they should get on board a little bit. Uh, I also kind of like, didn't refuse to like helping them get it. We're going to get it. We're going to we'll crack this nut. You've been emotionally cold this entire time. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. And and you know, uh, uh, give me a million and one excuses. Well, I just I got to come up with a, a million and two solutions. You know, and and maybe that uh, <laughs> enthusiasm will, will bring them around. But uh, I do appreciate that some people may be asked to leave. I have had students at a, at a workshop who started drinking during rehearsal, you know, like, 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 you know, <laughs> scotch and soda or something, you know, like, well, no one was looking and like, uh, uh, um, and I have I've had, I guess I've been in classes where people are like, you just need to sit down in the back and be quiet, you know? Um, um, the thing again that Chicago has, especially at the big theaters is, people people show up wanting to play nice and sadly sometimes they play too nice because they worry about will this affect my career will this affect my improv going forward um so you can always throw that around a little bit and get people in, in line is your approach then if you see something on stage that is clearly just out of bounds do you stop the scene or do you let the scene play out and then go over it uh, it depends on the on the bounds and depends on the player but uh, um they're definitely uh, sexist remarks, uh, dangerous physical things. Um, um, I, I definitely want to want to mention those things. Uh, many times, sometimes it's a straight up honest mistake, enthusiasm that you, you take some away, and the and the second you say scene, they're like, "I'm sorry." I I, I realize I just like treated my partner like a, like a, like a, you know, like a terrible person. Uh, there's another good group of people who don't necessarily realize they did something wrong, but when you start explaining it to them, they're like, you're right. Okay. I, yeah, you're right. I, I should do something else. And there's another group of people who, like, no, I didn't. And, uh, and that's always, the, 
that's always the, the tricky one because I, I, I would I would want to have an environment where the students feel like they have permission to fail, they have permission to try things. They're not going to get better if they don't make mistakes. They are going to step over lines not because they're daring and bold, but because they don't fully appreciate where the lines are. And it's our job in class to help them see those lines. Um, uh, but if you give that permission and you give that, you're going to have people take advantage of that permission. Uh, um, and that's, that's tricky. Um, I think it's important to always have an open discussion about things. I'm not the authority about anything, uh, uh, as a, you know, white male, uh, uh, there are some, I, I can have all the opinions in the world, but those opinions may not have a carry a lot of weight or value. And, and I think it's important to, to, I guess a couple times, and I've decided to open things up to a very brief discussion around the class and proctor it and just be very on top of it and very much like keeping it moving, keeping it going forward. I want the class to know that I'm going to take care of them and that I'm not going to leave them and not just – and make sure that, they, that if there's someone who wasn't in the scene but even just saw the scene and was uncomfortable by it, that that I noticed it. And, and um, I'm probably a little too hands-off. But then again, um, uh, I, 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 wanna, I want an environment that f- where people feel like they are, are safe to explore and uh, honest when they transgress. Uh, and yeah, and, and if we can all be in that in that pool, I think that's a great place to be. You know, uh, let's 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 not assume malice. Let's not assume. Um, yeah, Matt, let's not assume malice. Let, let's assume that everyone, every mistake is an honest mistake. We'll talk about it right or right away and, and, and move on. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's going to be leading into the question of like, how do you broach the topic, especially of diversity? Uh, I mean, we all know that, you know, the last couple of years, Chicago specifically has sort of blown up on this issue and all these things that are going on. So what are you, yeah. So what are you doing to foster those conversations? Well, it, it, it's there are no easy answers, and I think that when I hear easy answers, I immediately like mm, that's probably not a right answer. Uh, um, uh, when we're dealing with uh, start going down a road towards uh, gender equality and racial equality or whatnot, we have to realize that even within those groups, there are tremendous variety. Uh, uh, you know, Dr. Cornell West and Dr. Ben Carson are very, very different, different people. And and when we start talking about diversity, well, which which doctor should we have? Uh, uh, um, and I don't mean to be that in a snotty way or a, or I'll deal with it later way, but in a let, let's let's do what we can in our small world that we have control over. We can talk about the big picture, but realize the big picture is 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 a big picture, and um, and uh, but work very very hard in our own little world to do what we can uh, to invite people in to let us know that it's, it's always an open door. Um, I, I have had students, situations where I've I've wanted to pull students aside who perhaps were in a scene or a scene got a little uh, uh, in this particular instance was it got a little sexist, and I, I wanted to ask that student's opinion, but I wanted to ask them their opinion to the side uh, and ask them how they felt I handled it. Did they feel like I, I did an okay job with it? Uh, um, and, and just to just to let them know that, that I'm, I'm interested in improving, I'm interested in doing better. As much as I can be a facilitator in other people's conversations, I'm going I'm to try to be. Um, uh, and then when a situation arises where I can make a difference, I'm going to make that difference. Right, right. Um, 
So you were just saying how you asked for the feedback on that. What else do you – because at this point, you've been doing this such a long time. How do you um, – how do you continue to build your own skill set as a teacher at this point? <laughs> that realization that the world is changing around us and that um, uh, we have to be open to that and, and willing to 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 – to talk with our students and, and ask them how we are doing. Uh, has the world changed? Um, I had an audition notice for the Chicago Improv Studio, and I abbreviated abbreviated it CIS CIS. And people don't know that that word has been used by members of the transgender community to refer to people who are not transgendered. Um, I learned chemistry, and I had a very different meaning in chemistry. But it doesn't matter because that's the word that's been selected and chosen to, to mean that. And I had some people pull me aside and say, just so you know, you might want to be careful throwing that acronym around. And at first, literally my first instinct is like, oh, come on. really? But, but then it's like, no. What if, what, if my, what, what if I owned the Florida Athletic Group? And while that may not have been a problem in 1920, it's certainly a problem now. And while CIS was not a problem three years ago, it may at some point become a problem. Uh, problem. It may at some point become its, it's meaning is going to change. Its meaning is going to shift. Um, so as the culture shifts underneath us, we need to be willing to shift ourselves a, as well. It can be easy to live in a bubble. It can be easy to live in a bubble not just of other improv teachers, improv community, but also of our generation. And it's important to look to the younger generation to let have them tell us <laughs> where, where grandpa's making his mistakes. And, uh, <laughs> Do you have advice for somebody who's thinking about going into teaching? Figure out quickly when to beat yourself up and when to give yourself a pass. Um, uh, <laughs> uh, I don't always... I think everybody's a little bit different and there are going to be things that you care a lot about or things you really want to get right and feel like I can't compromise on... On, on X, Y, and Z, when maybe you actually can compromise on those things, and you really should actually maybe be worried about more worried about A, B, and C. Um, I wish I had more concrete answers for that. Um, uh, um, perhaps the thing you care too much about is getting the syllabus right, or feeling like if the syllabus is right, then the class will take care of itself. Um, and that's just that I, I have found that that's not the case. Uh, and perhaps you're letting things. Uh, you know, I think sometimes teachers will let let goofy fun play slide a little bit, and because it's goofy and fun, and they're enjoying themselves, uh, when in actuality there may be a good chunk of the class who leave feeling kind of hollow. Uh, um, and you know, I, I can't talk to a teacher and know exactly what they will care a little too much about and not care enough about. But as they go into it, they need to be willing, ready, and able to change what it is they care about, and perhaps care about things they didn't think were important. Um, and it's uh, going to be personal and, and situational. Yeah. I, you know, I think the one thing that has helped me a lot in coming up with my curriculum and my, and my improv studio and whatnot is, is picking a style and, and, and really appreciating that style is not style is just style. And, and, you know, we used to, something I say a lot is you know, we can't just say music anymore. We have to say what kind of music and, and, uh, Hey, let's music's great. Let's listen to music, more music, please. And we have to, we have to say what style of music we like. We have to say what genre we like and subgenre we like. And then the improv rules are based on that genre you pick and that maybe there aren't so many universals and maybe there are going to be times when yes, and is the worst thing to do. And, and where can we find you online? 
ChicagoImprovStudio.com, and there's a link to my blog there, and there should be a link to, to my book as well, The Complete Improviser, uh, available on Amazon. Ebook should be available in the next couple weeks. Oh, good. Exciting. Great.